I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, welcome to episode 37 of My Week in Cars, the Autocar podcast with me, Matt Pryor, and him, Steve Cropley. Hello, Stephen. Matthew, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, mate. Yeah, very well. Thanks for having me over this afternoon. I've run over this afternoon in Autocar's new long-term Alpina D3S Touring. Oh, is it good? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's arrived this week and it's... Sweet. Really is that well. going to be your smoker for a while? I think it is, mate. Yeah, for a month or two. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I mean, I suspect one Richard Lane, our deputy road test editor, will be nicking it at every single opportunity. Yeah, but quite so. understandably. But it's, yeah, it's a good thing. It's a lovely thing. Great. So oh, this um, over the next half an hour or thereabouts, Steve and I are going to be talking our respective autocar columns and much more besides, including um, some of your correspondence. You've had a letter, haven't you, particularly, Steve, from uh, Mike Linsky, who says, I've decided to change my Mercedes GLE for a new Defender 90, as I no longer regularly need to carry passengers. Um, Kids have gone to university. The configuration tool for the Defender is bewildering, and with so many options, I find myself struggling to make a decision. Currently, I'm going for a D250 with air suspension. I do occasional towing, and um, it will be mostly used on tarmac covering 7,000 miles a year with a mix of all roads is diesel better than petrol currently swayed by the appeal of 30 rather than low 20s mpg is a d300 better than a d250 does it need air suspension or are coils sufficient so many options and i don't know what is worth the extra the fun part of choosing the color is easy carpathian gray with black roof and possibly the blonde interior crikey blonde eh? Well, I've got an instant confession. The reason I suggested that we discuss this is yeah. because, because you know at least as much about this as I, as I do. But, <laughs> but I mean, my, the, the primary question is diesel versus petrol. Mm-hmm. I mean, diesel has got a bad rep, but it yeah. works better in a Defender to me. The D250, I can't see why a D250 isn't a good decision on all but resale grounds perhaps yeah. like, I'll bet you that if we looked at the torque curves of the D250 and the D300 they wouldn't be that different I reckon yeah I reckon um, air versus steel I I like that the refinement of air mm. and he's only going to do 7,000 miles a year mm. so it's 
It seems to me to be a fair bet, but there is a, you know, the, the general feeling, I suppose, is that air is likely to, we may well need more maintenance than steel. Yeah, I mean, the, the cost of it may well end up a bit like 300 versus 250 being offset by residuals later, might it, it? So you may not actually, over the whole ownership experience, pay any more for having air. We ran a D390 um, on the mag. And that was fairly, I spec'd it, but I didn't run it. But it was on relatively basic spec available at the time. And I've just had a look through, Mike, I've just had a look through some of the long-term reports and I can't see if it was on air or coiled springs or not. But my suspicion is air's probably nicer for towing as well because it'll keep the body. Yeah, I I would have, I I think I would. I quite like the honesty of coils sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I I think the one we ran was on coils, and I don't think it was worse for it, but I couldn't swear. We didn't it. really tow with it, though, did we? No, we didn't. No. I wonder if it, it perhaps it's, it bears on exactly what he's going to tow, if it's a mm. horse box. Um, yeah, you probably want air. You possibly want trailer. air. If it's a motorcycle so trailer, it doesn't matter a damn. Yeah, I reckon that's probably true. Um, but uh, nice problem to have, isn't it? Very nice problem to have, I reckon. Yeah. They enjoy that, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the discussion that we were having just earlier before this, before we pressed the button, as it mm. were, was this this whole matter of bewildering options lists. Because I find them, I get annoyed with them because I think they're patently um, a, a, ways to get people to spend more money than they had in mind and also they I always find them intimidating because they somehow imply that the standard spec isn't good enough it's not good enough and you need would to you, enhance it would you like the cross-country pack well I don't know is, is a defender not cross-country enough yeah indeed <laughs> and things like that you know it's yeah, uh, yeah I, it's interesting that, isn't it? I, I, you I mean you are a self-confessed configurator addict though Steve yeah so, so, but more choice is not necessarily good. Not well. There's a point where, well, when I don't understand the the name of the pack, for instance, mm. the, the, this 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 pack theory business anyway gets on my nerves a little bit. Yeah, because, I get a bit annoyed. You know, about that. You've, you, unless you spend four grand and you get yeah. get fourteen different things that all go together, of which you may only want three. Yeah, it's it's just it's just a bit bewildering, and I think some people are getting to grips with that. The, I mean, the prime example is Dacia, who, mm. you know, I always go on about, the, you know, you want to configure the upholstery, sir, it says, you know, black fabric or black fabric. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you don't want to go as extreme as that, but no. I do think that that it's they're all going a bit far. And, and yeah. we it's pretty hard for us, isn't it, in our job to, to sort of test every option. So it's... Our advice be. runs out of road, I yeah. think. Yeah, because you'll, you'll click one option and that will untick another. That's a thing with the pack as well, isn't it? They say, well, we put these together because it makes sense that if you're going to get these mud flaps, you get these tyres. Yeah. You get this on the back and you get a shower with it or whatever yeah. it might be. But then you tick that and it says, oh, well, if you're going to tick this, we've automatically unticked that, that and that. Yeah. And you think, oh, hang on a minute, I might have wanted that. Yeah, you can't but, have the laser lights or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, with, it's, yeah it's, with something else. Uh, what was I going to say? That, yeah, it's a, but it's quite a, yeah, nice problem to have. I wonder what the weight is on a current Defender, the wait list, if you spec one off the configurator. 
today and place an order. I wonder how long it is. I Let us know, Mike. Tell us uh, what they say. Yeah, be, be, anybody I mean, listening, it would be very interesting yeah. to know, wouldn't it? Because you don't often, you don't always get the horse's mouth story from the company. No, no. And uh, your dealer may well say, yes, that's going to arrive in X months. And then a month before it will say, oh, yeah, actually, there's a little bit. I've had that. We have that a lot, don't we? A few we do. Say, there's a bit of a rash of people. Yeah, I mean, moment. supply is still limited, isn't it? Supply is still yeah. limited. Yeah. Move on to um, the MG Cyberster, shall we? Cyberster? Yeah. Is, that, is that what they say? It? I think so, yeah. I'm not sure whether it'll survive in production, that name, but it's mm. perfectly all right. Mm. I went to see it. in at, um, MG have a, a, a head office and a um, design studio for about 20 people on uh, advanced design studio, they call it, on in Marleburn, just off... just down the road from Madame Tussauds, in fact. Mm. And uh, we, they unveiled the car, or something very close to the car, as it'll be in production, you know, sort of uh, later on, you know, later this year. And uh, I was impressed with it. It looks like a Z4. It's, it's quite a big, wide roadster. Mm. But I was impressed with it. I thought the, you know, the very nicely finished, great piece of design. School of the MG4, so it's quite arresting to look at. Mm. But then I got talking to some blokes that I know with MGFs and MGTCs and things like that, and they all said the same thing. How big is it? Furrowed brow. How big is it? What yeah. does it weigh? Um, what's it going to be like in a roundabout? And it is, you know, when you look them in the eye, you have to kind of confess that it is going to be a car of a completely different character. Yeah. And I suppose that just got me thinking that two things. One, there's going to be... There's going to be a continuing demand for small, agile cars that you and I like, you know, mm. caterums, even the Alpine outside. Mm. Um, and two, that you know, cars like the MGF, which has always had a bit of a bad rap, I think, very cheap and, you know, not, not, not loved by many people. I mean, mm. there are plenty of enthusiasts, but not loved by the world. Mm. I think it's going to have it may have its day in the sun eventually Ooh, because it'll yeah, be a bit more different than, yeah. than the local than the than the uh, the stuff that's around mm. i always quite liked an mgf i thought they were pretty, pretty good. good yeah i thought they're pretty good nice styling pretty yeah. comfortable yeah the, yeah blew the head right. gasket that was the problem wasn't it yeah they rode pretty well didn't they I remember. yeah very yeah, well. nicely yeah well do you remember though that they had hydrogas yeah a sort of bastardized version of hydrogas so not interconnected but they used those, nevertheless used those little gas units, and it mm. did ride well. Mm. But then for the TF, which was the G, the SAIC, no, the Nanjing version, mm. when the Chinese took over, they replaced them with steel, and they were much oh, harder yeah. riding. Yeah, so they the were, TF is doesn't ride, and TF doesn't ride as well as an F, I believe. Yeah, I, that's from from my experience or my memory of it. That's yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, but. I, I sort of felt I sat slightly on them rather than in them. But, I mean, you could amend that with an aftermarket seat. I think yeah. that would be a pretty nice way to get around on a sunny Sunday morning. There was a lot of... There's a lot of aftermarket stuff still around for Fs, I think, because yeah. there there is a population of them and they're yeah. pretty decent market in them as well. Yeah. Raced them for a bit as well, didn't they? That was quite it a did. popular race series. I hope I, I hope it prevails, the MGF. Mm. It, it, it always seemed to me to be a better car than... The market said it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a decent value now, I would think. 
so the Cyberster, on you know, I'll, I'll furrow my brow. Go on, how heavy and how big is it? Well, it's thick end of two tons. It's mm-hmm. this. It's two. It's the size of a Z4 and a bit, I think. Okay. The width is an issue. I, I mean, it perfectly okay, but but as big as a probably bigger footprint than a Ford Focus, I would think, mm-hmm. or similar footprint to a Ford Focus. Just a fairly big car. Yeah. And but what is good about it is that they've been clever about things like the cowl height and the and the seating position. You you do feel as though you sit low in the car, even though the battery's underneath. It is mm. a skateboard mm. and you're sitting on the battery. But somehow they've managed to package it so that the you're not there isn't a feeling of sitting on it. That's good. I think it's just because the sill heights are fairly high and all that. Yeah. But and it's of course it's wide and long. Mm. So it's a successful car and I, I bet it's going to do well for at least as long as they can find people who can pay 50 plus. That's a lot, isn't it? 55 and 65, I think. For okay. 55 for the two-wheel drive, 300 horsepower. 65 for the four-wheel drive, 500 plus, you know, 550 or something. And the, I'll tell you what, the other thing, the furrow brow folks, hmm. they, they were somewhat scathing about the need for a... For a Four-wheel drive, five hundred brake horsepower version. Oh, if it needed, if it made the car fatter and heavier. Yeah, and that's a reasonable point, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. So I drove. Well, we both drove the other day a BMW i7, didn't we? Which yeah. I was. I looked at the curb weight of when I got out of it, and it said two point seven. I thought Limonac, but it's really good. Yeah. I was surprised how good a car of that weight could feel. Yeah. You know, I like the the iX, which is a kind of crossover tall variant, but the i7 is just like a proper 7 Series type thing. But, you know, the being that bit lower and keener, I drove it from Wales across country back to back to mine. And I, oh, thought, yeah, this was re- tri- I thought this is really terrific. Yeah. And I was actually, I was thinking, oh, how heavy must this be? Because it's got a range of 320 miles or whatever. I was slightly, I thought it's got to be 2.7, but it doesn't feel it in no. any way. So if it's nearly two tonnes and it's good, the Cyberster could be maybe we have to calm down about that yeah, yeah. maybe it'll be alright maybe that, it'll be okay that i7 that, <clears throat> that amazing sort of creamy ride over yeah. over sort of low speed ripples I thought yeah. that was fabulous yeah. one of just about the best car I've ever yeah you know for, for, for just that 20 mile an hour rough mm. stuff mm. brilliant I might come back onto this later because we're going to talk peak car oh, in the great. second half of the pod let's go so yeah I think yeah we'll talk about maybe talk about that a bit then because sure. it's a yeah, it feels really good to me. Uh, but let's before that, mate. Allegro at fifty. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know this isn't in your column, but you, but let's have a. Well, I just I I just have a fond uh, um, memory of the Austin Allegro, terrible car. Everybody can the people line up, don't they, to to tell you about oh, terrible experience. When I, the, uh, so I was a young lad when they were around, current. And I rem- and I remember people being mean about them before I even knew anything else about cars. I knew yeah. that people were mean about Allegros. Yeah, but it, the thing is, if you look at one now, it's funny. There was a bloke that parked next to my Alpine at uh, at Bista not so long ago, hmm. and I had a pretty good look at this car. It's a nice one, a really nice white one, and and uh, it it's just it in in some ways it's quite a modern car. You know, it's got a it's. Body with quite a lot of cross-sectional area, so it's roomy. Yeah. Um, you know, big doors, pretty good room inside. I just, 
I remember them as being terrible, but I also remember I was in in the road testing racket by the time the the Allegro three came out, mm. which was the thing with the quad headlights, and, and and they'd sort of learned how to build it. I don't think they were unimpeachable for sure, but mm. but but it wasn't a bad car, and it certainly steered and corned pretty well. Yeah, and I've just got a a, a sort of dopey. Um, uh, affection for them because I never had one. That's I think that's probably. <laughs> <laughs> what was wrong with the early ones? Oh, I think everything. Uh, j- just, uh, just um, terrible panel fit. T- t- right. Just assembly issues. You know, made in the in the worst days of Austin oh, yeah, Rover okay. when when people just didn't work very hard at putting them together. Yeah, and and you know, so you could have all the trouble in the world. Mm. Just you know, whatever you like, wiring, winding gearboxes. Panels that didn't fit, paint that was rubbish, you know, all that stuff. Stuff seems to matter less these days, doesn't it, when you're looking back on them, when you think, I mean, would you, I know you're not about to, but, you know, if you were in the market for a 50-year-old classic saloon slash hatchback slash family car as a, a, well, an unexceptional classic, I suppose. As a a sort of link with those days. Well, yeah, I mean, I knew the bloke that was allegedly responsible for the Allegro Equipe, which was Mm. the... The car that had a sort of tr- a three-colour stripe down the side and was a, you know, essentially a run-out model. But it was quite an okay car. looked all right. You know, had a... I, I mean, I, I could imagine having one of those, but I, there might be some other cars in the queue. Before, <laughs> <laughs> before you got that far. Uh, right, then, before a break, the Citroen Arcadian, is that, how yeah. I, is that how I'm saying it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. Friend of mine, Jeremy Clark, lives mm-hmm. near me, near, near where we're sitting right now. Um, uh, just wanted a, a. He's always liked a twin pot Citroens. He decided to import one. Found a a Belgian post office van, nineteen eighty three. So a late model. Based so this on, is so it's a van based on a Diane. Right. Okay. But with all the all the two CV gubbins underneath, so the interconnected suspension, you know, the, oh, cool. the front and rear compress one spring that's mounted along the sills and all that beautiful oh, system, okay. really clever. Yeah, they compress it from either end. Really interesting. Oh, I see. No, that's clever. How did I not know that? How did I not? Well, maybe I did know that and I've forgotten. It's pretty clever. That is clever. That is clever. Yeah. Um, they even used to have a thing called a mass damper, which was this weird. Um, that we, that a ball that ran along a channel and that mm-hmm. somehow, you know, when the car started to pitch, the yeah. ball would run in a direction that, that, that had an effect on the, on the would, would wave motion of the car. Yeah. yeah, the Rolls, the current Rolls-Royce Phantom has a mass damper. That's I right, believe, it does. In the on the front top which back, yeah, uh, yeah, on the front, front, front I think. Yeah, fronts, I think. Actually, yeah. the, I tell you what, the, 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 an early 2CV suspension would, would, would get your attention as an engineer. I bet it, it really would. would. Yeah, I bet it would. And if it's connected like that, they're still independent front and yeah. rear, oh, yeah. side to side. Yeah, yeah the, I think uh, somebody's going to pull us up on this, but mm. but I think one is a trailing arm and one is a leading arm or something like that. Oh, okay. I really need to brush up on this. But, I do, but, I do, by the sound of it. But they're, in, they're interconnected yeah. in, a, in a mechanical way. Mm. It's really interesting. That's cool. You've, and of course, have you ever had one? Oh, I've had two. Oh, okay. I had one that I bought f- for a uh, friend in a, another life, shall we say. Mm. <clears throat> um, she needed to start driving and I thought 2CV was the way and it turned out pretty good. Mm. And the other one was a car that I bought new. I was just desperate to own a 2CV, B-plate, B772JPC, 
which we foolishly fitted a turbocharger to, <laughs> whereupon it burned to the ground. Oh, and, and oh no, the whole thing. Yeah, oh, and uh, it was rebuilt mm. as, as a turbo two. Right. But um, it, 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 it um, kicked off a, a story that was labelled in a, in a rival magazine, but I think we can talk about it, mm. called Escargo Flombe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, famously, of course. <laughs> and uh, yeah. there, were, there were some fantastic photographs of this thing parked on the entrance to Scratchwood Service, or what was Scratchwood Services mm. on the M1, with 10-foot flames coming out oh, of the engine bay, me. and a huge sign in the background saying, Reduce speed now. <laughs> <laughs> it still uh, exists somewhere. It's, it's it's a sort of rusty wreck in somebody's garden. Oh really? Okay. Oh, well, I'll, I'll make that the car I try and go and see if I can. <laughs> it's my it's my two CV experience. Right, Steve and I are going to take a very short break, and we will be back uh, with more Mike Week in cars in just a moment. What car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? What car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Hello, welcome back to the My Week in Cars pod. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. Keith S. has done that. Well, actually, he's uh, written via the website, which is autocar.co.uk, to say, Jess Cross, uh, who is one of our technical writers, isn't he, really, and has some solar and wind energy at his own house, I believe, that, yeah, he's, he's, that he's really into. Yeah, mm. he's really into. I was speaking to him about it at our awards recently because I could... I wouldn't mind some generating power for my own sheds at home. Anyway, um, Jess Cross mentioned, uh, says Keith, that there are few car makers that make use of solar panels under the skin 26th of April issue, yet made no mention of the solar roof or the Genesis Electrified G80. From the nine months I've owned this vehicle with the option, I can confirm that in sunny weather, when we get any, it does prove useful in harvesting energy. I've always been a bit... I don't know, I have two minds about that. When they say, oh, you could get up to X miles a year, I think that might be like a mile and a half a day. It doesn't sound like that much. But maybe it is a useful, yeah. it seems to think it is a useful thing to have. I think it, it I had a, a Toyota, which had a, um, uh, it was the, 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 the Mirai, the, uh, do you remember the... Oh, the hydrogen one. Yeah, and that had solar panels, I think. Hmm. And I figured out, I think I figured out that if you left it, if it was a sunny week and you left it for a week, you could do one, I had a commute which was about 11 miles and, and, and you could do one leg of the commute having left the car in the sun for a week. But I don't know if the, uh, my memory as usual is playing Then yeah, I mean, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but actually, if the alternative is not having that, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, do... do Say you pull it off twenty five weeks of the year. Yeah, it's quite a lot of miles, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's the the I mean the real estate is the difficulty, isn't it? There's not that much room on a car to to put them. Yeah, the curvature's um, funny and all yeah, that. Yeah, I was in a I was on a holiday in Portugal a couple of years ago, and they have some of the little commuter boats that just run to and from a nearby island, and they've got the entire roof is given over to solar, and I think basically it just powers the whole thing all the time. Wow, it's a pretty good game, isn't it? Really? It is. Yeah. It is. What would you, are you, for your place, would you, you're talking about wind power or... Solar well, power? I, I don't know. There's room to 
to behind a shed, there's probably room to put up a, a turbine somewhere. I mean, at some point, I'll stop having gas bottles, I suppose, yeah. and move to and move to some kind of all electric generated thing that would be a bit smarter and I don't know, maybe a ground source pump or something. But I'd I'd be interested in both. Yeah. Really, I, during the winter, I could do with something informal that just tops up car batteries and keeps the chill off of the shed, basically. Mm. But I live near, as you know, I live near a road and I've got this weird idea in my head that if I lined up enough turbines, then every time an articulated lorry went past at 50 miles an hour, generating who knows what wind off the side of it, all these little turbines would spin around and run the washing machine. Yay. But I don't know how many, how much oomph you would get off of an Arctic to, to run idea, a, to run a machine. A, it's a sort of wave power yeah, thing. Yeah, it waves it? Yeah. past, yeah, it would just wave and it would spin. You know the old, they don't run them anymore because I think they're probably a health and safety nightmare. Used to be outside tyre depots, they would have a little static thing that spun yeah. round and round and round and round yeah. with one side fluorescent green and one side fluorescent pink. Yeah. Surely you'd, you'd, you'd put a hooker generate, motor generator up to that, wire it into the tumble dryer and away you go. I wonder how many you'd need to power the house. But you know, the, but the traffic roars down that yeah. road. I've got I don't know twenty meters or so that I could put little turbines along. Yeah, and take advantage of the. You do get the air feeling the side. that that kind of stuff is going to have to be what we harness, and it, it is. It, I find it appealing too. Mm. You know, the wind blows. Well, yeah, you? the wind blows. I mean, it took yeah. it, it was it's strong enough to take the fence down. So why not why yeah. not to drive? You know, something else takes a bit of energy. Doesn't yeah. It? So yeah. So <laughs> who knows? Uh, right, Motorsport UK TV. Tell, oh, me about, well, tell me about that. Well, I, they just... Uh, Motorsport UK is the governing body for, for the sport in, in the UK. Um, they had a... They used to be the MSA, hmm. um, and they had a big rethink under the tutelage of... Uh, under the, the auspices of, of David Richards, who mm-hmm. also runs ProDrive and his Subaru rally team and, you know, Colin McRae's mentor and all those yeah. things. He and Hugh Chambers, another distinguished man of motorsport, and they... They've rethought the whole setup, and part of their rethinking has been to um, gather up video, um, you know, covering lots and lots of different forms of motorsport, and put it all on one site, which is motorsportuk.co.uk, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, and you can just, well, I was looking at it a couple of days ago, and they reckoned that there were two hundred and fifty different. Pieces of video that yeah. you could watch, and you, the thing Motors, is, you motorsportuk.tv. It says in your column. But dot TV. Dot TV. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's it, all. Do you have to pay for it to watch no, it? It's no, all there. No. no, you just go onto it, and the thing is, you find yourself in the middle of the world's most hectic kart race. You know how <laughs> you know how some of that onboard kart yeah. footage is almost unbelievable. Yeah. Well, there's quite a lot of that. Is it cut together? Professionally, it, you know, like watching. Not a, bad. A, a, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit rough and ready. But is it? And is it? Does it have commentary and whatnot? Or? Here and there, yeah. yeah. I think it not not always, but but uh, sometimes you, in the case of the hill climbs, for instance, you hear the course commentary. Gotcha. Yeah. But that's all right. That's all right. And I found it interesting. I I found <laughs> spent altogether too long looking at yeah, it. Yeah, this sounds quite good. Oh, oh, and the thing that you do see is every round of the BTCC, and of course, oh, cool. you, That's professionally filmed and. Mm. Really good um, um, commentary. So, yeah. even if you just watched it for that, you'd be yeah, cruising. Good, but isn't it? anyway, it seemed to me to be a a great thing. That's really cool. 
Yeah. Well, that is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the day when I'm <laughs> so, no, 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 you'll I'm be on the Aussie V8, mate. I well, I've got to catch up with a couple of rounds, but I've also I've been reminded this morning that I uh, am due to supply 800 words on the Citroen C5X by yesterday. By so yesterday. I need to uh, get on to that. And as, as well. I happen to know, you're on holiday. Uh, yes. Well, yeah, but there's holidays and there's holidays, aren't there? And, yeah, so this is, this is one of those weeks where I'll get to the end and then retrospectively fill out how much time I've taken off, yeah. which I think would be two and a half days. But I did yesterday spend quite a bit of time with my Hillman Imp uh, trying to get it run, running smoothly because it's been a bit hesitant. And I made a significant breakthrough with the ignition, um, ignition timing. Yeah, timing of the ignition. Ah. But as you, as, you, as you all know, the, the distributor needs to turn to a certain amount. That changes the timing of the ignition. But it was something in it is not standard because as you turn it so far... It fouls the alternator. Uh-huh. So I'm going to have to make a new bracket for the alternator or move it slightly. Mm. And then, but anyway, I made a yes, significant breakthrough yesterday, I think. Fantastic. Because it's. Uh, so it might well make an appearance here or there. It's supposed to be at the summer. Haggerty Hill Climb that I think we are. Are we both going? In, yeah, on I'm the 28th of May. Alpina run. Yeah. yeah. So I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm now, as we speak, it's the 18th. I've got another day off tomorrow, Saturday. I'm on a bit of a deadline. <laughs> but I think I might what just about might just about get there. Just <laughs> about get there. What's the, the, sorry to interrupt me. Not but what, 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 tell me about the Citroen. I, I I need to know about this car. The C5X. Yeah. Oh, it's good. I've, I so I've had it for a couple of months. It's a long, four point eight meter long, large family estate hatch. Is it comfortable hybrid, so ride like a really Citroen? comfortable? Yeah, really nice. Yeah, really plush. Sort of fifty profile tires. Oh. Very well isolated. One point two turbo, which is. Fine, 130 really horsepower. Yeah. yeah, really smooth, really easy. 48 to the gallon. It's done, and you'd do more than that if you really tried. Oh, and right. they start at 28 grand, which I think is so much car for the money. Yeah, we've given the have price. You still, of have everything. you still got it? No, it went back earlier this week. Oh, and I then, have to see if I can borrow one for yeah, a day should, or two. I'd yeah, love to have really a game one of those. Yeah, and I've only seen one or two others in the time I've had it, and I think it's a pretty handsome looking thing as well. I went yeah, to the really to the sort of pre-launch car. in Paris, I think, and. Uh, mm. I liked the the I liked its style. Then I just sort of um, rather uh, mishandled uh, its appearance in the UK. Yeah, it's a it's a cool thing. And the, the nice thing about it is it looks. Well, there's lots of nice things about it. It looks they've they've made it a little bit taller to try and give it a almost crossover SUV thing. But actually, it's just a, it's just an estate car hatchback. Yeah, yeah. And no rear wiper, which I used to think was a real. Be a you know, real problem. Oh, why haven't they fitted a rear wiper? I've owned it for, I've run it for three months, and I don't think I've once looked in the rearview mirror and had it obscured by wow. rain. Somehow it's got the little um, spoiler on the top, and it's got a spoiler halfway down. Oh, clever aero. Yeah. Gosh. Talking of clever aero, I'll talk about this next week. I drove an Alfa Romeo SZ this morning. Ah. And that's got a spoiler halfway down the rear window as well. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I, I saw it. I thought, crikey, this car's. Is that next week's 35 years ahead of its time. Yeah, I think so. Great. I'm looking forward to talking to you about that because I've got some SZ experiences myself. Oh, good. Oh, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah, so join us for My Week in Cars next week, (laughs) episode 38. But before that, uh, we've got time for a couple more things. Um, Let's do my column quickly. Uh, The other week, a bloke wrote in and said, have we reached peak car? And you said, I hope not. And I said, I hope not. And then I've been thinking about it ever since. And I thought, "Mm -hmm. how many of the best car in a particular category are brand new. You know, how many cars are actually peak car now or how many were peak car 
yeah. I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. And it was by no means guaranteed that the new was the best. But mm. I think it's all right, actually. I think it's... I think... It used to be a, a car would come out, it would be a little bit bigger, a little bit faster, a little bit more economical. Yeah, That's been yeah. torn up completely. But there is there are more cars than we've ever had. in. So inevitably, there are going to be high points in the back catalogue of cars. You know, what is the greatest mid-engine supercar? Well, Ferrari 458 Speziale yeah. was, was a particular high point. But the current 296 is not shabby by oh, any oh, stretch. No. And if you look at objective things, you know, cars are cleaner, safer, better built than ever. So in a lot of ways, they are better than ever. And I think some of what we're missing is just that little the bit that talks to us enthusiasts as you said earlier you know we like lightweight yeah. cars we like engaging cars maybe some of that has just drifted out of the market for a bit but is expected to drift yeah. back in Fiat 500 Abarth has just appeared hasn't it as a the first EV hot hatch I think yeah. that's fair to say which our editor Mark Tishore has driven this week he says it's fun rather than exciting and that's an, that's an electrical thing. But you saw the other week, didn't you? The, the fellas from McLaren who'd said the fourth wave of EVs. Yeah, they reckon there, were, there are four waves of EVs yeah. in EV development. I'm about to go and, well, I, in a week or two, I'm supposed to go and discuss this with these guys because hmm. I think it's the cleverest analysis of, of the progression of the EV that I think I've seen, or simplest, maybe that's simple things appear to always appeal to me. <laughs> They way, um, phase one was just getting it done. You know, build the build the first leaf. Phase two, which we're in now, is make them proliferate. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's got one. They're starting to to trickle through the entire range of 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 people's cars. Um, phase three was, is going to be um, uh, an attack on on heavy, you know, bulk and and weight. Mm. And phase four, they believe, is going to be the point at which the market will understand how to differentiate between EVs in the way that we've differentiated between the ICE cars we're used to. Gotcha. So they, this is more about peak car in a way, that mm. they believe, and, and I believe, that <clears throat> that there's a wave motion and that things always get better and they yeah. will. You know, we, I was just, while you were talking about... Um, you know, cars cars appearing out of nowhere. You know, wasn't it a great day when the first aerial nomad appeared? Mm. Wasn't it a great day when the first when the Alpine A one ten came out? And and I just think we will see more stuff like that. Yeah. But the other thing that that I regret at the moment, <clears throat> because the car industry is so ground down by its need to just to fight on. Mm. People have slightly lost the ability to talk things up. You know, I was looking at a bunch of of advertising, courtesy of of, of, of an excellent bloke that I follow on Twitter called Andrew Ryan. Mm. Um, He he collects advertising. And some of the bullish and sort of uh, lovely, happy advertising that that surrounded cars a few years ago is is basically missing. And, And I think it's because the... The poor sods in the trenches, you know, of the car industry are having a, a, a bit of a job lifting their eyes and feeling yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and you know, to, to me, it's the communicators need to get off their whatnots as well. There was a uh, one of these McLaren bods in this interview that you reference. He, oh. talk, he talked about, he said, we saw a, an 11 car electric vehicle ride and handling test recently. And I thought, hmm, that sounds familiar. It must be else. It was. Because <laughs> <laughs> a Porsche Taycan won it and the BMW was second. He said, but the Kia, which, you know, a bit of a surprise, was third. And when you talk about cars coming out of nowhere, this, this shake-up does allow manufacturers to redefine what they do. Yeah, you've said this before, about a reordering. Yeah, I mean, anybody can now, you know, who makes the best, the world's best sports saloons? Well, okay, it's been AMG, Mercedes and BMW M or whoever it is. But we had a bunch of EVs last year, third most fun, Kia EV6 GT, because it's hilarious, because it puts all of the power to the outside rear wheel on the exit corner. (laughs) But... Yeah, it's a, it's it really. Do, I I think there is a chance for any manufacturer to define themselves how they would want to be in a different way. Yeah, yeah it, it it strikes me that the 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 guys from Kia are going to have to learn how to talk better about their cars. Mm. You know, to, because we only believe what we get told. You know, we we if if, if it's a good if if they reckon it's a good car and it's going to excite us, they need to tell us. Yeah, and. Some of those sort of nebulous slogans that are used at the oh, moment. Just... Yeah, yeah, I mean, my, my my brother has a thing about advertising as well because it's his advertising marketing is his is his business sort of thing, and he just he will quite often send me a link to something. He said, "Christ, look at this Audi advert from the late nineteen eighties. That one where the the Schmitz and whatever drove to the their family place in Portugal in their Audi hundred that could yeah. do." That could do six hundred miles on a tank or whatever, and the uh, yeah the other the, the rivals in their inferior cars could not, and it just just some of that yeah some it's of such that a simple proposition really simple isn't it, stuff, David? and some of the copy in the old Volkswagen adverts and and BMW adverts as well were really spot on yeah yeah and I do wonder that it's not quite as not quite as aspirational maybe isn't it there are some i believe there are some there there are various laws that stop you making it's hard isn't it funny claims oh, but blimey asa stuff that stops you saying stops cars looking fast yeah yeah but much more that's why, that's why we need to go right on doing cornering shots absolutely mate, yeah <laughs> yeah two wheels two wheels smoking tires yeah um w12 bentley's oh well finally the- yeah, they're they're gonna well finally for them finally for the pod finally for the W twelve. Yeah, the W twelve is six liter, um, two VR six engines, um, bolted well not bolted but but you know held together modularly designed around each other. Yeah. So there's two. No, hang on a minute. Three. How many? Because the the VR six is a clever engine that shares a cylinder head in a V six, it. doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah. this is and the W has effectively got. Two cylinder heads, but it's yes, I think four it's got banks two, of cylinders. That's it. The, the, the crankcase is, is still pretty short, yeah. and, the, and there's there's these. When you look down on the top of this engine, the cylinders are kind of dotted around. Yeah. In a, it's an what, amazily short engine, isn't it? Isn't it, it, it is. like, something like three hundred and sixty mil long, or something. Well, they had, like that. remember they had to do it because it, because in, in the Bentley Continental GT, in, in effect, for the first models, it basically hung out the front. Oh, you know, of it was like a VW Beetle in reverse. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with that much overhang and that much weight, you really needed a short engine. Mm. But um, it, uh, anyway, it's a 
terrific engine. I always often argue for the four-litre V8 that's also offered in those. We cars. always do that, don't we? Because we say it's lighter, it makes a lighter noise. Yeah. You should, and it's and more it's economical, and it's cheaper, and it's just it's fast enough. So why would you? But, yeah. Yeah. But five hundred against six hundred or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but I must say, knowing that the W12 is going just mm. makes a bit of a sad occasion. Yeah. They're building. Uh, 120 of each of their four models with W12 special speed models W12s in them mm. and if you buy one you get a miniaturised a 15% W12 engine block mm. just as a you know take it home and feel good that's pretty cool and I, I I'd love to see one and I uh, you know I think it would really get my attention that we looked around a couple of Bentleys didn't we at the recent Bista scramble and early Continentals were, I mean, affordable is not the right word, is it? But they are, when you consider how much they cost new and how much car you get. Yeah. Would you be tempted? Um, funnily enough, the, my missus, the steering committee, has mm. got really aerated. She's standing over Richard Bremner, our revered, um, uh, our somewhat eccentric uh, car buying uh, contributor. Yeah. And... They were going to buy one of these things between them. No, <laughs> really? There was, there, I think there was a car, there was a really nice looking 2003 early Continental hmm. GT, you know, under 30. That's pretty cool. And, uh, but the, the thing that even people from Bentley will tell you is that the, the running costs might be um, not commensurate with cars that cost under 30. Yeah, that, is, that could be a problem. There was, I saw one advertised... Uh, I think for an upcoming auction and its reserve was I want to say its reserve was 10 to 12 or something like that and you sort of think and the pictures inside looked astonishing but it's been it had been sitting for a long time hadn't been serviced for a while and you've got to take some brave pills haven't you but Goodwin's theory Colin Goodwin's theory our contributor if you couldn't afford to run it when it was new you can't afford to run it now. I mean, he's probably he's right. He's annoyingly you, logical. Yeah, you? but you can, oh, you can see how you get sucked into the oh, thought mate, of it. I'll tell it? you what, I'm a sucker for that stuff. Yeah, same here. I, same I've here. never really got badly caught, but there are, you know, I've stood on the precipice a few times. Yeah. But I must say, the, the thing they say to you about the W12, even if you, you when you talk to the, the blokes who really know inside Bentley, they mm. say it, it is a very... Um, mechanically robust and and you know tolerant of high mileage. Mm. That, that the engine is tolerant yeah. of high mileage. Yeah. So maybe it's not the disaster. Well, let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> that brings us to the end of uh, my week in cars for this week. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, mate. Uh, you can find us over at autocar.co.uk. You can find the mag uh, in every week in uh, digital subscription or in print as it has been every week since 1895 Um, until next time see you later